Hey, Sporkies, exciting news. Remember that Instagram I was talking about? It exists. Go follow us, Bloody Spork, on Instagram. I'll have it linked in the episode description as well. We're going to be running polls eventually. You guys can ask us questions, whatever you want to know. We'll answer, probably. Can't speak for the other two. But I'll answer almost any question in the world, you know? I have no shame. Regardless, this is an emergency episode. John had some things pop up, so me and Gavin kind of just uh, scrambled pick the first movie we could really think of that was worthwhile and uh, threw it together. So this is Hell House LLC, came out in 2015, and I certainly hope everybody enjoys the show. Make sure you're still leaving five-star ratings if you haven't already. Leave a review if you want to. And again, you can email us further further movie suggestions at bloodysporkpod at gmail.com. Thanks again. Enjoy the show. What's up, Sporkies, and welcome back to another iteration of the Bloody Spork podcast. I'm joined today once again by Gavin, two weeks in a row. Long story short, this is an emergency episode. It happens. We didn't record it ahead of time, but it is now an emergency episode, all right? Something happened with John, couldn't record this week, so Gavin and I picked a literal random movie and decided we're not going to leave you without content for a week. That's not fair. And we're not going to cover either of the movies ahead of time because you're not prepped for that. So, fun fact, we have an Instagram. Follow us at Bloody Spork on Instagram where we announced yesterday that we were going to be covering Hell House. Today being Thursday, yesterday being Wednesday. So, yeah, we're doing Hell House. LLC specifically is what it's called. Another found footage film comes from 2015. Uh, And um, it's a movie. (laughs) I honestly, I liked a good bit of it. I think I have the same complaint you have for the most part, but I also think I disagree a little bit, but we'll get there when we get there. Non-spoiler section. Go ahead. What are your thoughts? Uh, No, I'm not going to give too much yet, but not only the same complaint that I shared, but um, I just, it was just like jump scare Olympics in my opinion. Interesting. It was like, I don't know. I guess I'm so used to movies that we watched where they're just so far for this podcast specifically. Not only are they not jump scare heavy, but they're not really even scary. <laughs> so like yeah. watching this had, it had true jump scares right. and even some true just like unsettling moments so it was just a different different type of movie than we've been watching yeah so this is found footage as well i believe it would be our first found footage specifically unless you want to count that one excerpt from uh vhs but full first full out and out found footage film directed by and written by uh, Stephen Cognetti, who does he does a cameo in this film uncredited him and the producer are both in this movie at one point. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find some numbers really quickly. I'm not trying too hard. Can't find them for budget and everything. But it's found footage, so all for it. If you don't like found footage, you're not going to like this movie. I'll say this one's done a little bit different. This is done found footage crossed with very documentary style. Like It has a heavy documentary presence to it. Uh, so it's not like pure found footage like the Blair Witch Project is or Paranormal Activity. Yeah. The first like 45 minutes of the movie or so has these 
cut in scenes of people just doing like normal interviews for the documentary portion of it. And I'd say like the last 30 ish, maybe a little bit more minutes are all found footage. I compare it to like Grave Encounters. Yeah. Encounters too. Closer to like that one. Grave Encounters are definitely way more, way less documentary, but they still have that aspect in them. Yeah. So we'll get to it. For some reason, I don't know why, I found it so hard to track the cast and like who was who. I don't know why. For like the first 30 minutes of the movie, I was just like, man, who is anybody? I don't know why, but I could not put character names to characters. And like, I watched it on Amazon Prime, which has the little x-ray thing. And that wasn't helping because all the little actor portraits they were providing, they had like completely different haircuts from what they had (laughs) in the movie. So I was just extra confused. Well, I watch it on Tubi. So I got a commercial every 15 minutes (laughs) and I was equally miserable (laughs) with that. Either way, you know what we have to do? Our favorite bit. What do you think this scores critically? Rotten Tomatoes. This is the the first movie we've done where I haven't watched a trailer. I haven't looked at the IMDb and I didn't even know about the movie before we watched it. So I, this is purely off of just watching the movie one time. And for critic score, I'd probably say, I'd give it like a 50. Higher. No, not higher than 70. Higher? No, my gosh. Why, dude? But, I, but I'll tell you, it's it's like literally just higher than 70. Oh, it's like, what, like 75, 70? Yeah, 75. 75 critically, but only 12 reviews right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Which, uh, okay. Again, it was 2015, so it's probably not going to get more. But 75% amongst 12 people. So, you know, I can probably like breeze through really quickly. And then what do you think for audience score? Audience score... I mean, okay, well, I'll give that a 50 then for audience score. Higher? No. uh... (laughs) Okay, like, obnoxiously high, like 80? No. Sits right, I mean, it sits right around uh, critic score. It's a 71 for the fans. Okay, I gotcha. So, nothing crazy that has 250 ratings. So, a lot of the, the critic ratings, there's only 12, like I said. Three of them are bad. Three of them pretty much say three the three bad reviews run in line with what Gavin thinks of the movie. And his biggest complaint is mentioned here. But we get there when we get to the end of the movie. I like I said, I liked it a fair bit. I think it was a diff a slightly different excuse me. A slightly different take on found footage with the documentary style, which isn't original by any means. But I think for the most part, it works well. They pull a twist at the end that's kind of expected, in my opinion, maybe. Yeah, I saw it coming. Okay, cool. Because I will say this isn't my first time watching it. I've watched it at least once prior, and I've watched some like uh, analysis on it as well. So... I was I was I knew what to expect for the most part coming into it. Some of it still got me. Like there are some good scares in this movie that are warranted. Not even always just it's not even when they're trying to scare you necessarily. Sometimes you're just like 
it's a true haunted house movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, go ahead. Sorry. Just the visuals and the just the pure haunted house attraction was scary and you're not even there. <laughs> like Yeah. So we will now get into the spoiler section of the movie. I personally, like I said, I'll recommend it. It's on Amazon Prime as well as Tubi and Vudu, I think is what it's called. Yeah. But free to stream on Amazon without ads. But everyone has Amazon Prime. Either way, we'll get into it. We have basically a documentary style intro. We get random interviews with random people talking about that night at Hell House. Uh, for also also cut against the people leading the documentary, I think, inspecting the house. And so we're just getting a bunch of little information from people here and there about like, basically no one knows what happened specifically a YouTube video is our first bit of found footage specifically captured some of the chaos, but not all of the chaos. All we see is people running past them in opposite directions. The two characters here aren't that important. I think, I think this cameraman is the director or the producer. I think that's correct. Oh, okay. of the actual of the actual movie yeah we get the information basically that there's a crowd of panic at the basement everyone's trying to escape we did see a bit the guy who's filming filming recording for the youtube video as he's running out he watches something like fall on another person and then just leaves them pinned so that was cool yeah and i'm <laughs> assuming that was like a um stampede injury yeah that had anything to do with whatever happened yeah (laughs) don't think it was paranormal at all but the cameraman notices it and then just runs away anyway hands to it (laughs) head at the top of a drying rack and then just leaves (laughs) yeah really we get a 911 call there's a demonic voice on the other end and then we get introduced to our first main character still documentary style we're doing an interview with sarah Uh, Diane is our lead documentary lady asking Sarah some questions. Sarah has a bunch of tapes from that night that uh, she just didn't give to the police, which in like a pillowcase. Yeah. Just hands them over. Uh, She's very nervous and blank faced during this whole exchange. And so here's some more, here's your Amazon x-ray fun facts for you. We get, so they are actually this haunted house that they shoot in is an actual haunted house in real life. It's in Lee Heighton, I don't know, Pennsylvania. Uh, and the attraction that they hold there is called the haunting at the Waldorf hotel. So this is a legitimate area for an actual haunted attraction. So I thought that was cool. Why did they change it to New York? No, 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 no. New York was an old show. They did. I do believe they're still in Pennsylvania. Oh, I thought they were saying they like, we're just in the rural Pennsylvania, or I mean, rural New York. Mm. Uh, I didn't know they left that could be New right, York entirely. No, there is a bit about New York, but that's them saying, but I... It was Queens, sure. I think, right? Yeah, Whatever. I'm pretty sure they're talking about how, like, that show was a disaster. Yeah, yeah. Later on. We, uh, now we're seeing the, our main crew checking out the place. So, I don't, like I said, the names kind of tripped me out, but I think I got it all for the most part now about 
two and a half hours after the fact. Nope, still not. Not. I actually, if I try really hard, I can get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Because they have some. Uh, some of them have discernible features. So the main, the main two, and the main couple, I should say, is Sarah Havel, played by Ryan Jennifer Jones, and Alex Taylor, played by Danny Bellini. They're our main couple. They're accompanied by friends uh, Andrew, who they just call Mac, uh, Paul, and there's another Tony. Okay, yeah. so there's five of them all together. We are still getting in documentary cuts from some other guys, a guy named Robert, a guy named Martin. They're working with Diane and basically a part of creating the documentary. And they don't say much of, they're kind of just like, cut in not exposition dumps but kind of just like filling in the cracks if you didn't pick up on something so eh, i i don't mind it to keep up the documentary facade but obviously you know i hate exposition dumps so yeah take it or leave it i guess something sorry good no just on the same topic of the documentary editing (laughs) something that was kind of i'm not sure if i liked or not so i'd like to hear what you think of it when they would have a, a scene um, of a scare or like, for example, when Paul was in the, when he's in the flashing light room and he sees the freaks and he's saying, how many do we have? And then there's more than they have. And then they do a still frame of how, what you might've missed in the initial viewing. And I'm not sure if I like that because it, to me, I understand that it's a documentary movie but it took away from the found footage aspect a little bit. Yeah. So I don't know what your opinion is on that. It It's hard because I see literally both sides like you said. It take it does take away from that found footage aspect, but it's also being done in the style of a documentary. So I know for a fact a real documentary would do that. Where yeah. we're at where we're at in the movie, I'm fine with it because we'll get to that strobe light in a little bit because I have a fun fact about that. Oh, cool. Where we're at in the movie then, I don't know. I, I think it and might then be. It even a... happens again after that. So right. it's, like it's throughout the whole entire. Yeah. And I don't think it should happen in the latter stages of the movie. But again, the documentary style of it kind of makes it that way. That's yeah. probably my only gripe is that they do. Because they do it right here when they're first checking out the place. Right, right. They pan over. There's a shadow figure in a room, which I noticed naturally, <laughs> but then they still paused it and made sure you saw it. Yeah. Like, okay. Which again, I get it. I see both sides. It's hard. I don't really, I don't, I don't like it because I saw it naturally, mm-hmm. but I can see its value and its purpose. Yeah. I, I understand it for the practicality. Yeah. But in terms of the, um, being a natural thing mm. in the movie, I didn't, I didn't really like it. Definitely, uh, slows the pacing a little bit because this movie's a slow burn, kind of like yeah, how mo- right. this is. This is very comparable to most found footage where it's like things get slightly spookier and spookier slowly but surely, and then it all just erupts in the final twenty minutes of the movie. So, yeah, we get some, uh, we get some dialogue between our cast. I. They're not poorly written. Like, I understand the dynamic on display here, and I get why everyone acts the way they do. I still don't really like any of them. 
you know i think i really only liked tony for the most part by the end of it yeah the rest of them are all kind of insufferable for one reason or another yeah i wasn't i wasn't really too attached to any of them either but, i liked the two guys that they kept interviewing more <laughs> yeah really uh so we get <laughs> paul they're talking about some they're talking about that new york show and i just wrote this line down because it was funny they're talking about like what they were doing for the show and paul's like i think i was like the puss slayer or something it's usually what i do during the week so <laughs> like all right paul paul looks like he gets no bitches and then yeah, and then character arc <laughs> yeah and then continues to scare the scare the hose away like throughout yep. the movie so it's fine we do get so this is our first scare right away right after this we get uh paul who's like our main cameraman throughout this movie for this found footage section and so he's like kind of just doing a monologue he's genuinely talking about how horny he is and how he thought this was going to be like a sex fest or something like that which also we should mention they are staying the night in the hotel like in the place they're staying the month yeah yeah yeah, that's right yeah they're trying to set so we should explain a lot more alex is the leader of this whole operation and basically what they do is they renovate spaces to do haunted things or have to run a haunted house right so they're renting out this place to run a haunted house that's how they make their money alex is the top dog for the whole operation He's the group leader, and they all pretty much do whatever he says. Yeah, I think it's like what Tony and Mac do: electrical and mm-hmm. scares. Paul doesn't do anything, they and they just... never really say what Sarah does. But... Yeah, no, but she's just there because yeah. she's the girlfriend of Alex. So uh, we get the monologue from Paul. He's got the camera. He's just talking to himself. Really, really like this first scare. Super fun he there's it's like very dark he only has the light pretty much on him but there's a red light coming from his doorway and so because of that you can see a person walk into his room like just the outline can't really see much else see a person walk into his room and just stand behind him and you think okay maybe he won't notice but he does notice and he's just like sarah what are you doing what's up and the figure just walks away without saying a word super creepy super effective we're off to a good start in my eyes (laughs) Um, let's see we get some more documentary discussion more documentary detail they're talking about this guy Joey who they hired to work with them at the haunted house he's meant to be like muscle but isn't really Uh, nothing wrong with that but he was not muscle (laughs) he wasn't muscle he's just a big fella that's all they mentioned that they tried to talk to Joey after everything happened that night and Joey refused to to talk about the house. And after he refused to talk about the house, he hung himself nine days later, unalived himself nine days later. Yes. So that was interesting. They also mentioned that one of the hell house workers had a self-inflicted throat cut, which unalived him as well. Yeah. So, um, now that we've introduced other characters, do you want to revisit the initial YouTube video and kind of explain what we what we, what we see in that? Yeah, yeah. No now worries. we know who all the characters are. Right. So that initial YouTube video, which does get played again at the very end when it's kind of like when everything finally comes together, 
Uh, during the video, we see two specific people walk past our YouTubers in the opposite direction. One of them is a clown, which we don't know who it is yet. We figure it out shortly thereafter. Yeah. And then we end up just seeing a lady go upstairs at one point. Uh, we find out later that that lady is Sarah. And we find out eventually that the clown was the guy, Joey. He was Ooh. the muscle. Yeah. And they don't, you, you, you get it confirmed right at the end at the culmination of all of these found videos coming together. Um, but once you see the YouTube video at the beginning and then you meet them and you hear their roles, you, you can put it together of who they were. Yeah. But like I said, they do that for you at the very end. We've watched the YouTube video again with extra information put in essentially from the tapes that Sarah handed over to the documentary lady. So we then get a bit of an interview with one of the actresses that they're going to have working the show for them. Uh, Alex is talking to her. He's, you know, just trying to figure, you know, just talking about the job. Really. Paul's being a weirdo, you know, kissing her hand and making things really (laughs) weird and sexual. She brings up the rumors. She's like, you guys know, the rumors and everything and they're like uh paul doesn't know paul doesn't know anything but alex is like oh well that's just a rumor so we don't have to talk about it this is where paul's like oh what is she talking about basically and we find out the the owner the original owner of the hotel hung himself in the attic or in the basement one of the two and he was a cult leader <laughs> yeah he's a cult leader they just throw in like it's not a big deal we uh she mentions like those uh all that satanic art down in the basement that was you guys right and they're like no that was there that's that's og like that's legit and then she's like seen to be afraid and ultimately alex is like ah man it's just rumors whatever it's just rumors guys it's just rumors don't worry it's just rumors uh we then get back into the documentary bit where they just confirm everything the girl just said so now this is a situation of where we know the truth, but our characters don't. Yeah. So that's obviously a fun thing to do in movies. Whatever that irony is called. I forget. There's lots oh, of... Oh, yeah, we learned that. Shout out, Mr. Mitchell. Yeah, man. We we learned about the... Diff- it's not dramatic, I don't think. It could be. I don't remember. There's like at least three different types of irony. <laughs> One of you is smarter than me and is yelling it right now into their phone, and I can't hear you. So stop. All right. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, we don't care. So we get another Paul bit. Oh, actually, no, this was really cool. Sort of like the, the documentary style mentions, confirms everything. Tolly was the owner, suspected head of the cult, did unalive himself in the building. But the documentary guy mentions that he built in Abaddon intentionally. Abaddon is word for gate to hell, I believe, is what he mentions. Something like that, or it was like the name of a demon in hell, something along those lines. And so he mentions that uh, he mentions that basically, yeah, he set it up in Abaddon intentionally. Like he wanted to get, you know, the big old devil involved. So. Like I said, irony, whatever it is. Paul again, 
everyone wakes up at once pretty much because Paul's waking everyone up, but he woke up by himself to a scream. We we don't hear the scream as the audience, mm-hmm. but he rounds up all the troops. They try to go check it out. Nothing really doing. Alex, they woke up Alex in the meantime. And he's just like, guys, just go back to bed. You know, cut it out. All right. He didn't hear anything. Being group leader. you know, kind of hate him. Yeah, he's really unlikable. Like, I understand it. He's your success-oriented. He's the leader. You know, it's his brand. And we get this, like, bit later. One of the documentary guys is like, he's Alex is an interesting character because, you know, it's his brand. He got his buddy is, uh, in on it. And his buddies don't want to rebel against him because they've all been friends for years. Right. And ultimately, Alex is the owner of this business. And, uh, you know... And basically what happens is that Alex gets too attached to his pride to leave this house because why wouldn't he? So, yeah, but I, I mean, know. he was, he was too attached to his pride way before this house, which is true. Also, true. they're all like, you kind of have a good time. He's like, guys, we got to work. They're like we got, yeah. we have an entire month. And he's like, yeah. oh, how do you think we make money? Blah, blah. Like, you know, <laughs> right. Which is where, as friend? <laughs> right. Which is where the, the, hmm. Which is where the not the found footage aspect of it, but the character aspect of it is weak for me because obviously the big catch for found footage is that you don't want your people to be acting. Found footage's whole basis is on how good you can get your cast to act completely natural. Just gel. Exactly. That's why Blair Witch Project works so well. That's why Paranormal Activity works so well. Uh, but Alex for the most part feels like the most forced acting to play this role yeah, of I agree. cocky leader essentially, because there's bits where they're recording everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's bits later where like Paul gets scares that we'll talk about specifically and can show Alex right away. But for no, for one reason or another, Alex never, sees it and the one time that he does he tries to just write it off yeah and i'm just like there's no way this would happen legitimately in real life every scene especially the scares that don't have alex in it are so much better (laughs) like Mm -hmm. um one of the scares where i think it's paul mac and they find sarah or whatever Mm -hmm. that scene is actually scary because of their reactions because they just gelled mm-hmm. whereas if alex would have been in there he would have just been his stone-faced you know unenthusiastic yeah. asshole where right. nobody that's not believable in the slightest <laughs> yeah so it, it just doesn't make any sense to me to be fair though alex honestly like looking back on it immediately after watching it, Alex, I think does just get the least amount of screen time compared to the rest of them because he's never, a, he's never one to hold the camera, right? It goes from Paul's holding the camera and then the dude, Tony ends up holding the camera. And then eventually we get like Mac has a camera or we're just looking at like security cameras that they yeah. set up. So I don't think Alex actually had, I think he probably has a good bit less, but like Gavin said, the bits he is in, I think he's being forced into a, a, a role, like a, a box of a character so hard that he stands out as the least likable character. And for your paranormal movies, you're always going to, 
the least favorite character is going to be the character that doesn't believe, right? The issue is, is Alex never believes. And usually with this trope of a character, they end up believing eventually, yeah. right? They buy it. There's something. There's some kind of evidence somewhere. They're like, okay, I believe you. How do we deal with this? Alex never gets that redemption moment. So he ends up just being a piece of shit and ending up being a piece of shit. So and it's not even like, like, I understand you are supposed to not like the person that doesn't believe it, but he's not even like a bad guy. Yeah. Just like, based right, based on like actual personality, I should have hated Paul <laughs> because he's a sexual predator. Useless. Yeah, and doesn't do anything the whole movie. But I found myself liking him more than the guy that actually had like had a real goal in the movie. Right. Just just because he was so bland and stuck in his like you said, in his box of a role, whereas other other characters were were able to be so much more expressive the entire yeah. movie. And like Gavin said, everybody else kind of just gels together. The only moments where Alex is like an acceptable character is when he's comforting Sarah. But even then, you still have that in the back of your mind. It's like, mm, but he doesn't believe her. So, yeah, <laughs> who cares? Regardless, we uh, we're now officially meeting Joey. Fun fact here, he does this weird thing with his eye. Oh, so dumb. <laughs> okay, he can actually do that in real life. He's actually doing that. That's not a uh, an effect at all. I'm so glad they were able to get that into the movie. Right? <laughs> he does like, I, I don't even know, he just like literally pushes back his top and bottom eyelid and can like pull his eye out a bit. It looks disgusting. Yeah. And the, the x-ray fact specifically said, please do not try at home. So thanks, you know, but fun fact, we get a, we get another really, really good scare here with Paul on camera again. So there's this specific clown. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a specific clown. There's a set of three clown mannequins that they have that they want to set up on a bench down in the basement and they're just going to sit on this bench. So that's it. And at one point in the movie, they distinguish the fact that the heads can't move, right? The heads are not supposed to move. And again, they're mannequins of sorts. So I forget who Paul is talking to. I think he's just talking to Mac, maybe. Mac or Tony. It's one of them. Yeah. No, he's talking to Mac because he thinks it's Tony. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So he goes over. He hears something or he like goes towards the basement or something and he sees the clown. And they were talking about how maybe one of them ends up just dressing up as that clown just to have a body down there. Just to, like, you know, keep it because they can't get good. Uh, camera reception down there or something camera service whatever you want to call it so they want physical eyes down there for security reasons so paul automatically thinks this is tony in the costume because it's at the top of the steps to the basement right fair so he's like hey man what are you looking at because the clown is just looking down the steps he pans down to look down pans back up and the clown's just staring at him super cool right because it's not jump scary right they don't do a loud sound with it yeah, it just yeah. happens so it startles me but that's a good scare right but it gets better because then he immediately runs away from that he walks away from that situation and he walks back over to mac and mac is standing with tony and paul immediately freaks out and he's sprints like back to the clown <laughs> sprints back to the clown and the, count, the clown's gone 
goes yeah. all the way downstairs. And I think the clown's just back on the bench or something. Yeah. Or just disappeared. One of the two. The yeah. Immediately freaks out, immediately tells everybody about it. And this is where they could have started Alex's redemption because yeah. they show Alex this clip. They immediately show all the footage to everyone. And, excuse me. Damn. Everyone immediately on guard, except for Alex. They immediately just say, all right, Paul, quit fucking with us. That's that's some impressive shit. I forget which director they mentioned. Romero. They call him, all right, Romero, relax. <laughs> like, okay. And that's kind of just the jib of this movie. Is that anything that happens? It's like, oh, Paul, stop fucking with us. Literally, yeah. Which but, will, yeah. But there is no point where they established him as a prankster. No, he actually, they said he does nothing. Yeah. Just the opposite. <laughs> they specifically mentioned so many times that he does nothing. So why are you now c- convinced that he did this grandiose prank? His reaction to that is like one of the best actual scared actor. Yeah. Uh, like he he's so good at acting scared. <laughs> like it, it makes you scared yeah. <laughs> when he's scared. <laughs> yeah, because it's an immediate shift in character. For yeah. Paul specific, because like we said, we just saw him being a sleaze bag ten minutes ago to a random lady, yeah. right? And now he's already seen some shit, and he's immediately like, "Okay, what the fuck," you know? And it's an instant. And there's his redemption immediately. He's still a sleaze, but he's now aware of everything, and he's taking it serious immediately, and he's trying to get everyone on the same page. But because Alex immediately is like, shut the fuck up. Everyone's like, yeah, Paul, shut up. <laughs> and it's like, okay, group leader. Really? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Either way, we we keep going. We get this strobe light scare, which is what oh, Gavin man. mentioned earlier. Not as big of a fan of it, mainly because the strobe lights are hard to watch. Oh, I just close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> like straight up, they're just hard to watch. <laughs> they're not like consistent, but it's like blink. Any strobe Blink. is just not good for me. Yeah, it's it's a slow strobe, but it's still a strobe. And essentially what had happened was is there are two dummies down there. There ends up being a third at one point. Paul notices it. So it fun literally Sorry. gets into tears. Like he's crying and banging on the door. He's so scared. He yeah, is so good at being scared. I can't yeah. even say it enough. Uh, and he's like desperate to get out of this room, right? And fun fact of this, this right here, he gets out of the room and he runs. He like, you know, Gets as far, not as far away as possible, but he gets pretty far away and he throws up on the floor. That is a legitimate reaction from the actor. That explains why he was so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if maybe the strobe lights like actually fucked him up. Probably. Or if he didn't know that was the scare. Because that happens in movies sometimes where the director's like, all right, a scare is going to happen, but won't we'll mention the specifics. Yeah. And so I guess that's what happened here. Because when Paul pukes, that's legit. <laughs> He's like genuinely reacting to what he just saw. Was there also smoke in that room or just strobe? I think they did. I think they probably did smoke too, if I had to guess. I mean, the smoke would definitely make me throw up if not for the combination. <laughs> right. I hate fake smoke. Yeah. Which is weird for somebody that loves Halloween where it's just the smell of rubber and then it's fake smoke. <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. We might have mentioned before, but Gavin and I. We're big, we're big on Halloween, right? We, we go hard for Halloween. And uh, October is going to be an interesting month for, for the podcast. Mm-hmm. But regardless, we get into our next 
Paul monologue camera bit. He wakes up again with the camera, notices once again that the white clown is standing up at the bottom of the stairway. He gets Mac in on it. He's like, dude, look. And Mac's like, okay, okay, okay. Still doesn't buy it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he probably discredits it again. He's like, well, why'd you leave it there? You know, probably. Literally, and he just goes and picks it up. Yeah. <laughs> so they see the white clown. The They go ahead and walk downstairs. And now, and again, this is where we're getting creepy, right? They find Sarah in the back room just staring at a wall. Like Sarah, something I don't know. Yeah, she's she's saying words. Like Sarah, Sarah, right? There's a point in the subtitles where it says speaking foreign language. Uh, Of course. And if you know anything about exorcists or possessions, that's a thing. People Mm -hmm. start speaking foreign languages. So all of them. Yeah, basically. (laughs) I don't know what she's trying to speak, but it just said speaking foreign language. So they walked past the clown to get to Sarah. They turn around. Clown's missing. Spooky. Yeah. The stuff they do with the clown is I do like that. Yeah, no. All the little clown bits. Good stuff. Clown disappeared. We then hear a grandfather clock chime randomly. And they look into the room where the clock chimed. And there's a dinner table in there. Has a bunch of candles. And all the candles are randomly lit. And that's when they're like, they book it out of there as quickly as possible and as they're booking it out the clown is once again at the bottom of the stairs that they have to walk up to get out of the basement it's just super effective because up until this point we haven't really had jump scares right and i'm not going to completely hate on jump scares sometimes it can be effective but usually i'm just kind of like eh hate it it's just a loud noise that'll get me I yeah can... I, I hate the idea that loud equals scare <laughs> yeah like nine times 99 times out of a hundred i can picture perfect see a jump scare happening and i'll still jump because the music just crescendos 10 times immediately yeah things are starting to happen some spooky things mm-hmm. so after the bit with uh foreign language speaking sarah and all of them running upstairs past the clown, you know. I don't know if this is the same night. I might have missed it. I might have missed every single one. I didn't miss the very last one. But there's not, there isn't title cards. Like how Paranormal Activity does like night one, night two, night seven. Yeah. This movie doesn't do big title cards, but in like the bottom left corner at random points, it set a date. So it might have set a date. I don't know. I think in the very same night, though. Paul's doing a monologue once again. He just like, he sleeps on his stomach. So he just shot, shoots right up, grabs a camera, turns the lights on. He's just talking to the camera. And we already see behind him that there is a woman just sitting there on the floor. Yeah. And this, I kid you not, literally was just telling Gavin, I took my headset off because I watched it on my computer with earbuds so I can try to listen for everything. I took my headset off. I placed it on my desk and I just watched this all mute because there is no shot in hell. I was hearing anything at this rate. (laughs) If anybody was talking, I'll read the subtitles. This is the stuff of legitimate night terrors because I have night terrors like once a week. And this is like something straight out of my brain and just the freakiest shit. But once again, like Gavin said, he's a really good 
scared actor. And once he notices the woman, he goes under his blanket. (laughs) And at first, the woman was just staring dead ahead. Right? And the first time he peeks, she's staring at him. I still jumped, even without sound. Yeah. Yeah. And then he stays under a lot longer. Right? And I'm sure if I was listening, you could probably hear two different people breathing. Right? If I had to guess. And dude, I don't even remember, dude. I turned it down too. <laughs> it's fucking I scary. Went like, I went from like 15 volume to like four. Yeah. <laughs> it's so scary mad. as shit. And mm-hmm. even when he, he pulls the blanket down one last time, obviously she's all up in his grill, but there's still no loud sound. So it's still not that jump scare, jump scare. You know, you knew it was going to happen, but it didn't just go bang as it happened. So it wasn't that bad, but it's still a really, really good scare. No matter how predictable it is in that moment you're gonna get spooked yeah because you never know when he's gonna pull the blanket down because he does it so much longer the second time uh so it's now morning of the next day paul's missing everyone's talking about oh man paul always does this once again just writing paul off as he is They're talking about how, like, oh, the last show, he disappeared two days before the show and then didn't show up. We didn't see him for a month or something or other along those lines. So, like, they want to find him, but they're also like, ah, whatever. He'll pop up if he pops up. They, uh... And the guy's like, did you even call him? Yeah, (laughs) which is good. I think it's Tony on the camera now. And Tony's like, did either of you even call the guy? And they're like, no. Like, call him. They call him. They get a demonic scream. Yeah, there's the loud sound. Yeah, <laughs> Still not as loud as your average jump scare, but it's a loud sound. We, uh, like I said, Tony's on camera now. And he's just, it's just him and Mac. And they hear a piano playing downstairs. Mm. And this was also alluded to. Basically, they have a dummy set up just on the piano. And Paul was like fucking with him, playing the piano with him. I forget what they call him. But yeah, he has a name. They they try to like make it funny in the beginning, but eventually they get closer and closer to the piano, and they're like just about to turn the corner, and the piano goes and then just stops. Which is exactly what Paul does in the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. and he's missing at this point. So they're like, "Oh, it's Paul." (laughs) Good callback. That's effective. This movie is like really, really good movie. The characters could use some tweaking and maybe yeah, the it's ending. It's not a bad movie at all. No, I don't. Maybe the ending gets a tweak when we get there. We'll try Thank to you. we'll try to rewrite the ending. Great butt cheeks. <laughs> we uh we we hear some thumping and screaming. They're in the basement now, once again with the clowns on the bench. Uh they're like checking out the basement. They're kind of looking for Paul, kind of just checking it all out. To see what he like, good. scream. Is that why they keep running down there going, Paul, Paul? Yeah, because they, they really they, hear it, but... right? It's very faint, but there, de- there is a screaming, and I really only know that because of my subtitles. So I saw the wow. word screaming, but I didn't hear it. So I went back and turned it up, and it's there, it's faint, but there is screaming. It doesn't sound like anybody outright, <laughs> but they're they just assume it's Paul. Uh, they're checking out the basement, like I said. Once again, the clown's heads move. And uh, Tony notices it this time on camera. Once again, 
we get footage of it. And once again, it's brought to Alex's attention. And once again, Alex is just like, eh, I don't know how they moved, but whatever. We got a show to do, guys. Come on. Yeah, they're like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> and this is where Tony freaks the fuck out. And it's arguably my favorite part of the movie. That isn't. Well, no, it's just my favorite part of the movie. Tony freaks out on him. He's like, fuck you guys. I hate all you guys. You're a bunch of dickheads. Fuck you. And you're just writing off Paul again. Where the hell is he? Fuck you guys. No, you know what? Fuck you guys. And he just storms off. And, uh, and then he's just crying in the field. <laughs> and that in that exact moment, I wrote down, okay, only rational character. Yeah. <laughs> and for a moment, I was like, oh, shit. Maybe this movie does have a character act legitimately. No. <laughs> like like Gavin said, he ends up just crying in a field. This part feels forced because he's just sitting in a field with a camera on him. But he himself wasn't saying anything to the camera, I don't think. Not or not anything like crazy, right? He's just saying shit like, ah, I gotta stay. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's just talking, he's just monologuing, which was fine when Paul did it. Because Paul was in bed. Paul was like recapping the day or Paul was waking up because he heard something and was going to check it out. This is the middle of the day in a random ass field because Tony is sad. And <laughs> he just wants to record himself monologuing. Instantly removes all genuine <laughs> nature he had. Yeah, which exactly because no, he, he should have just left like he said he was going to. But basically what had happened was he got convinced to stay. Very just, easily. Yeah, we get this conversation between him and Mac. Mac tells him something. He says he can't leave because of something. He can't leave, but he can't believe that, like, Alex knew something and didn't tell him. They never really say. Outright. I think it's the confirmed yeah, I would, on a live of the owner. I think that's what it is. The, Gavin, they never, yeah, they never state it outright, which... I kind of wish they would have, just so I know for sure. But I'm pretty sure it's con- basically Alex knew the place was like confirmed haunted. He knew that the owner unalived himself in the building. And he told Mac for some reason. And no one else. But didn't tell Paul, his girlfriend, or Tony. So either way. And so for the past probably like 20, 30 minutes, we haven't done any documentary bits. Like it's just been the found footage. And so we're now back to current day in uh, current day interview with Sarah. And we find out that basically nobody left because Alex didn't. Group leader said we're not going to. So we're staying because group leader said so. Nobody eats until I say. Right. Bunch of bunch of fucking grown ass adults can't make their own decision because a peer said, no. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. I don't care. I don't care. Like I, I've been friends with I've been friends with Gavin for like 10 years now. And if we were in this situation, we're like, look, Gavin, I don't care. I'm outie. <laughs> and, and then I'm leaving. <laughs> and not and, coming back. <laughs> and and no amount of information or money is going to convince me to stay. Because I value I value my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then fucking Tony comes back to the building. It's the day of opening night, but it's like middle of the day. Alex and Tony just make up. 
just dap each other up and like it's well, cool, Tony man. apologizes for yeah, some to- reason. Tony says sorry. Yeah. Oh shot. Which I guess again just gives more into the character of Alex being this piece of shit, like we said he was all along. Mm-hmm. And probably manipulated the fuck out of him into this. But either way. So we're now back on opening night, and basically we're recollect- recollecting everything that we did in the first 10 minutes of the movie. But we have now a mashup of the YouTube footage. Max. Mac is wearing a camera on his head. We get some of that footage. Yeah. Mac has a GoPro that he's wearing. We're getting some of his footage. And we're also seeing uh, Tony and Alex's point of view from their security setup where they're watching all of the cameras. I think there's a, a fourth camera view of somebody who's on the tour right before the YouTube video, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think they ever go into who that person was, but I, I think, think that's the other of the two between the director and producer. Okay, okay. Yeah, basically. An unnamed character, like I mentioned. We get some more. We now have, like, all of the details. So the girl that Paul was, like, extra horny towards that had the rumors about the building, she's, like, strung up as part of a bit. I don't really get her part for uh being scary because he just cut her t-shirt and let her stand there in her underwear wasn't even like not even even having like fake blood (laughs) yeah she's not yeah she she's supposed to be a part of i guess like a ritual that's going on down there but like she doesn't need to be naked (laughs) also i cannot stand when like especially this specific situation how she's in a fake haunted house ritual but they use real chains and real locks and actually lock her in. Yep. <laughs> there's no there's no need to do that. What if there was um in comparison a completely minor issue of the house was burning down? She's dead, <laughs> you know. Excuse me. Like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cuz there's no way that's do that. no way that's legal. <laughs> and then they and then they make it like a huge plot point. <laughs> it's like no. Yeah. And to me and like up until this point they've been pretty good about the legality of the situation. Like they yeah. talked about safety things in this and the third, and like like uh, they went out of their way to make sure they had eyes in the basement because that was a big thing, and that was also what Mac was doing. Mac was basically just holed up in a closet with that GoPro because he was the camera footage for the basement. Yeah, and so they're like ninety nine percent good, and then they're like, you know, actually lock her up, make sure she can't escape. And we'll yeah. give that we'll give that clown the key. <laughs> yeah. Give it to her at least. I don't know how she'd use it, but what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's just I didn't like that. I yeah. Like that. So this is where we find out uh one of the people going in the opposite direction was Big Joey. You know, the guy who's supposed to be the muscle down there, he ran out immediately. Thanks, Joey. We then see we find out that the woman that was heading upstairs was Sarah. And it was Mac that told her, Hey, go upstairs, let them know what's going on, right? Which just makes me wonder, was it literally the first tour group to go in that just started getting? Yes. Like, because he, it was almost instantaneous. As soon as they started, he left and then people started dying. Yeah, pretty much. No, it's it's like literally the first 15 people. Because they mentioned that 15 people wound up dead, I believe, like in the intro. Because they have like news coverage of it all too. Yeah. I think they said 15 confirmed dead. So yes, literally the first set of people that end up in the basement die except for joey because joey got out 
And while he's running out, this poor girl is like, where are you going? Please unlock me. What the fuck? You know? This isn't part of the show. <laughs> yeah, she's screaming this isn't part of the show, but everyone thinks it's part of the show because why wouldn't she be saying that, you know? And, uh, yeah, man, we see some of the uh, tall, black-hooded people that we, uh, you know, had freeze-framed at the first 20 minutes of the We're movie. We're just not scary. Yeah, they're not scary. And, it's, of course, doing that bit where the camera doesn't pick up on it, actually. Yeah. Because why wouldn't it? Uh, Did I think at one point they were running up the steps. The guy turned around a quick, real quick and then turns back around. I think the girl, maybe her name was Melanie, mm-hmm. who was chained up. Yeah. Was she then, like, in a crucifix position? It looked like it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't. I never really quite understood the significance of what these demons were, what they were doing. Yeah. And I think that's the demons what... have to have goals. I just right. didn't know. <laughs> and maybe the sequel. By the way, there's two sequels to this. There's a Hell House oh, right. 2 and 3. I don't think. I think the second one is like serviceable, but the third one is a Shutter exclusive. So. <laughs> Which means. <laughs> but. Um... I mean, good Shutter. Yeah. You know what our fans want? All six of them? Sponsor us. Anyway. Free 30 days. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a bit here that pissed me off, too. Mac is, like, escorting people out of a side exit or something. And you do, like, they don't make it obvious enough, which is partially frustrating, but I rewound it and double-checked. As he's, like, letting people out, there's a split second where he takes his hand off the door and the door gets slammed shut on him, yeah. which door a door like that would do anyway because they're supposed to. But then he just slams on the top of the door. And doesn't push the handle again to try and open it. <laughs> what the fuck? To be fair, I know for a fact sometimes doors like that you can you can deadbolt them locked, and then you can deadbolt them open. Yeah. So in his mind, maybe it was like deadbolted to permanently stay where the handle is pushed in. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, do we really have to try to make that conclusion in a freaking haunted mo- house movie? Like, just right. have them try the handle. <laughs> exactly. and, that, and, and if there was some, like, random tiny scene earlier where they mentioned that's how the doors yeah, work, yeah, right. that's different. But in this exact moment, I don't think that happens. Because yeah. I remember them, like, dispelling everything else. Like I said, they the clown heads, right? The clown heads weren't supposed to turn. And then they turned. Yeah. Right? That was a good callback. You know, they've had callbacks this entire time. They so called maybe, out details very deliberately. Yeah, so... Maybe, but I feel like if this is a callback, he says it really quickly. He's like, shit, it just, it like, shit, it locked, you know, or yeah. something. Or like, shit, the deadbolt, you know, because it had to have been, he opened it originally to let everyone out. Yeah. It wouldn't have just been open. So why don't you try the handle, buddy? <laughs> this movie's like really, really good, but it's those niche moments like that. I'm like, ah. You're so close to being perfect. Yeah. But either way, we, uh, Mac and Sarah end up linking back up. They all end up in the attic. When they end up in the attic, they find Alex trying to unalive himself. They like try to stop him from doing it. They turn around really quickly. A bunch of men in cloaks are there, surround them. And, uh, that's when we cut back to current day and we see that Sarah made it out. The interviewer questions, questions it. And she's like, 
So you're telling me you made it from the attic to the front door and got out and nothing happened to you. To which Sarah's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. And like, you couldn't see the end coming before. That was just the hand feeding you. <laughs> and it gets more hand feedy too. It makes it as obvious as it possibly can by the end of it. So the interviewer is like, uh, Sarah calls for a break. The interviewer is like, okay, sorry, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Sarah's like, don't worry. I'm going to be in room 2C. You can come find me in a couple of hours. Right. You can Inter- come find me. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> sure. Okay. Interviewer-, <laughs> interviewer buys it. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Totally. So, and then the camera that's been filming the interview gets placed down, right? And we get just dialogue on screen. And Sarah's like, the house is really cool or something like that. She's like, go check out the house. And the, the interviewer's like, oh, well, I just can't legally, right? She's like, oh, that's that's it? That's yeah. the reason? <laughs> She's like basically saying, do it. You won't. No balls. Right. And okay. the fucking, and the interviewer falls for it. She's like, you know what? I am going to go check it out. Just like Grave Encounters. <laughs> yeah, like, which came out in like 2009. Right. 2011, so, you know? So a little bit of uh, infringement. There's definitely, I forgot to mention it, there's a scene that gives me Blair Witch vibes so, just like a single shot that gave me Blair Witch vibes so much, but I didn't jot it down because it didn't have a person standing in the corner. So I was like, eh. But it just felt like a Blair Witch shot, and I was like, eh, maybe. <laughs> Which would make sense. I feel like all all found footage films have to they like... They have to do like the close-up face. And- yeah, they got and they got to they gotta give their nods to the, the, the trailblazers of the genre, you know? Yeah, like regardless. Grave no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know. Oh, we'll cover grave encounters. <laughs> Either way. We uh the interviewer, Diane is her name. Sorry. Diane's leaving the hotel, goes to the front desk lady. She's like, Hey, if the lady from 2C asks for me, you know, tell her I'll be back in an hour. Receptionist is instantly like, uh, none of our rooms have letters. Don't She's don't like, leave out the part where this woman is incredibly like polish or something yeah super thick accent for some (laughs) reason out of nowhere (laughs) (laughs) um and they're like oh well just what room is sarah whatever her name is like what room is sarah staying she's like oh there's no sarah staying here she's like okay under a different name (laughs) Uh, yeah and that you know what oh really (laughs) right exactly that's you know that's a good little immediate write-off in the moment uh whatever sure i'll take that line that's a good line okay so they go to the house. They uh, they're investigating the house, which this is where it gets stupid to me, right? The interviewer lady. This is very similar to Ratma, right? How that news lady just kept going down and down into the fucking and the tunnel. Man's like, can we not? <laughs> exact exact same thing happens here, right? Yeah. She keeps on investigating. She's like, oh my god, look at all this blood splatter. What is wrong with you, lady? What do you mean? <laughs> Bro, there's no shot I even go to this house. If I do, I'm opening the door, Max. I'm not taking a step in. No shot in hell. What the fuck is wrong with you? Stop making people dumb. I understand people dedicated to their craft want to get the best of the best in all the content in the world. You have to have a realism barrier check eventually. Yeah. And that's fine to have her explore the house a little bit. But to go as deep as she did and have this movie end the way it did, completely unrealistic. Well, not even just that, but like, okay, 
She did the whole upstairs and then went to the basement. Didn't go down in the basement. And if she would have walked out after that, I would have said, okay, that's pretty real. I, I get it. She had to see where all the stuff happened and then she left. But then they went upstairs. Yeah. Where also, nothing was said to have happened. Like they didn't know about the, they didn't, hadn't watched that found footage yet. Yeah. They didn't know stuff happened up right. there. So, and, that, and so I'll give this, this was pretty cool. I like this. Basically what had happened was, is they, when she left, she left a bunch, she left all those tapes to the third guy on the documentary team. She was like, look through these tapes, let us know what you find or whatever. Right. We see that footage first before we follow Diane to the house. Yeah. And in this footage, we see that Paul, no, no, no. Yeah. We see that Paul attacked uh, Sarah on, on her way out. Yeah. On her way out, Sarah was attacked by Paul because Paul was standing at the front door. She hugs him. He grabs a camera, instantly beats her, doesn't beat her to death because we see her get dragged away. And then he unalives himself, which is referenced earlier when they say there's a hell house worker who self-inflicted a throat slit. Right. That's this. That's Paul. We see that. Then we follow Diane to the house and in the and the guy's name is Mitchell. Right. So while she's exploring the house, she gets a phone call from Mitchell and she's like, ah, I'll call him right back. That I did really like. Yeah. That little overlap. That's cool. Cause obviously he's calling like, Hey, Get she got there. fucked up <laughs> Yeah. by the way. So I don't know who the fuck we were interviewing. And there's a, there's a cool extra scene somewhere where we see Mitchell's reaction, but obviously it's not in this movie, but that would have been funny. Basically they find room to see surprise. And it's locked from the outside. (laughs) And she still knocks on the door. (laughs) It's not even like a, like a door lock. It's a deadbolt. (laughs) You can't possibly open it from the inside. And literally is like, uh, well, you know, Sarah's in there. The camera guy still being rational is like, are you stupid? (laughs) She's like, I'm not going in there. They go in there. They, the door opens. She sees Sarah just sitting on the bed. And once again, the camera's like, I'm not going in there. And then he goes in there anyway. And uh, Sarah turns her head. She's all fucked up in the face. Doesn't look anything like she did during the interview. And uh, they get got by the cloaked figures. We see the camera just on the ground filming the room. We hear the piano again. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah, this was the... uh, we've been referencing the whole whole pod was we just don't uh, well me i don't remember what dan said but i'm just not a fan of this twist i, yeah. did, I didn't need it so what i forgot i took screenshots of them i forgot to mention at the very end we get a, a little card that's basically like to this day the tragedy at the abaddon hotel remains a mystery to the public your usual outro for a found footage flick there were a couple earlier no, okay, so you're right. It was in New York this time. My fault. Um, opened its doors in Abaddon, New York, a small town just outside New York City. Okay. Um, and it, there was another one earlier in the movie where it was like, Sarah, a member of Hell House, reached out to a documented documentarian and agreed to do an interview, which is why everything's happening. And so basically, if you still don't get it, Sarah's ghost basically lured more people to the house for sacrifice but like why i get it that's just how spiritual things usually work they want more human sacrifices but 
you know, I, I don't know. I is it an interesting twist? Sort of. Is it a good twist? Eh. I think you probably could have ended the movie. You probably don't have to send Diane to the to the to the hotel, right? You can yeah. do everything you did verbally and then not show those last 10 minutes of the movie or five minutes, whatever. And it's okay. Right. Yeah. You show us the footage of Sarah getting fucked up and then just give us a, just give us a title card then and be like Diane and her camera crew never came back from visiting the Abaddon hotel. Yeah. And that works a lot better. Cause then you don't have this weird, stupid twist of her being a ghost. Then it's speculation more than anything. But still show us her getting fucked up, right? Still do that. Like I said, don't show us the last like seven minutes of the movie. And I think it's a much better ambiguous ending that is a, a bit more creepier than what we actually get. Yeah. Um, it's that concept of less is more. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking on that, I was just about to say, I, for all of the, like how the guys in the cloaks weren't that scary. And the twist was kind of meh. Well, the twist was okay, but they did a little too much with it. Yeah. Um, was maybe one scene with CGI, and I think it was because a demon got close to a camera, and you yeah. kind of saw like a illustrated face rather than a physical face. Yeah. I I love that. Yeah, because like all the shit, like to be fair, there's no like other than that lady that pulls up on Paul, um, twice. There's no like real demons. Or like paranormal creatures, right? It's all the mannequins just get moving around, which are actual yeah. objects. Um, and then we get the men in cloaks, which are actual people in cloaks. And yeah, there's like the occasional screenshot, essentially, of like a ghostly face. But yeah, no, it's really... They did the trick. They weren't yeah. the most spooky looking things, but the way they were implemented, I think, was perfectly fine. And yeah, no, like... Like I said, when talking about those scares, those scares were really good and really effective. Like, I was legitimately scared. Like I said, I legit took my headset off because there was no way I was listening to whatever the fuck happens in that scene. <laughs> uh, so I think it's really effective. I think it gets let down by its ending. Less is more, guys. Less is more. Learning and that like, right now. It's a movie that takes itself seriously and does it right. Yeah, um, a bit like, too seriously. Well, yeah, in Alex's case. Yeah, but everybody else is pretty much perfect. And this movie could have one hundred percent CGI'd a portal in the basement and had you know demons fly out of it, and, and like they could have yeah. done some crazy stuff because it would have fit in with the story, right. you know. But because they actually wanted it to be good, they I think that it was the the no CGI was a very good idea yeah but it's all and it's only really let down by that ending but yeah which like, like you put it well where the twist was totally fine they just didn't need the whole scene of them going to the yeah that that literally feels perfectly like an extended cut of the movie yeah, yeah. like there's there you have your theatrical release which just ends with us seeing sarah get beat and then saying that the reporter never turned up again and then, you know, you buy it on Blu-ray and there's an extended scene and it's them getting spooked and it's them yeah. getting caught, you know? That's that's a cool concept. I don't think... And to be fair, that could be the case. I don't even know. This might just be an extended cut on Amazon Prime and I don't know, but I don't think that's the case. If I'm remembering, like, the, the, the analysis I watched on it, like, this 
is just the movie because it's only it's exact it's like almost exactly 90 minutes long perfect movie length in my opinion yeah it was not too long at all it's like a bit of, it's a, it's a bit of a slow burn it takes a while to get into like the bigger scares but it's good but it's like super creepy i wouldn't call it super scary but it's really good at atmosphere building because it's in a haunted house so the atmosphere is automatically there and all the callbacks are good you know they cover all the shit in the daytime and then when it's nighttime everything goes a wire and it works um but like i said less is more is huge man less is more is huge that's why the original blair witch is so good because they don't show us a witch you know the things just happen and the movie just ends and that's it you know the blair witch remake in 2016 i'm pretty sure there's scenes of the witch the blair witch remake is terrible because of shit like that yeah but honestly it probably would have been scarier if they didn't show the dudes the faces yeah. and the cloaks but once you saw like that they were just gray thumb looking dudes you're like okay <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I could probably take yeah. you on bro but i don't know but that's also scary in its own fact that there isn't like a demon entity shown ever i guess like it is just the mannequins being misplaced and everything no i, I think know. i think the um in the freak scene when he says how many freaks do we have and then oh yeah that's true that's, that's true. a real that's like a real demon in quotes like that's not one of like the mannequins yeah yeah but, like it's true. not it's literally just a, a gray head <laughs> like yeah, it's not, with makeup yeah it's not scary either way out of six what are you saying well i i, I mean i i liked it it was a totally serviceable movie i um i don't know about like I mean i've seen less rewatchable movies yeah um but based on my other scores i'm trying to keep them in the back of my mind i don't want to go I, I don't think it's better it's differently better but i think that malignant is still a better movie like i enjoyed mm-hmm. that more <laughs> yeah so i'd probably but they're they're very different but you know you know what i'm getting at yeah so i'm gonna give it the same score as malignant though which was a 3.5 out of six yeah, and I think I give this a three and a half too. I think I gave Malignant four. Yeah, uh, I'm giving this a three and a half. That ending really fucks it. I think your I think your rewatchability is there, legitimately. If you don't watch the interviewer, go to the hotel. <laughs> yeah, I just... mean, and the, the twist isn't like so crazy that you know the whole movie now. Yeah, so it's the scares yeah. will still be there. This creepiness will still be there. Yeah, like I said, this is my second watch through and all those scares, I knew I knew what the scares were going to be and when still got me. They're yeah. still good because, again, they're not jump scares. They're just creepy. and They're just unsettling. That's it. Um, so that is Hell House LLC. That's our emergency episode. We are still going to be covering. So basically, it's going to be Gavin and I back to back and then John and I back to back. So next week, we're still covering as above so below as requested by christian um like i mentioned we have an instagram now follow us over at bloody spork we just got like our 25th follower we're on the come up really yeah yeah i just i i I created it monday you know and i shared it on my personal account we be talking bro we're at sorry (laughs) we're at at, um 26 followers don't mind if i do good stuff only one of them is somebody we don't know but that's not the point okay uh as well if you want to email us further movie recommendations you can email us at bloody spork pod at gmail.com 
I know this is part of a series. We're not going to cover Hell House 2 or Hell House 3 unless there's a gigantic want for those. But going forward, just as a predecessor, I we will cover series, but I want to cover series that I can that we can cover sequentially. Yeah. Even with rotating people, there's still like we were almost we almost did wreck. Wreck has a sequel. John really likes Wreck too. So that works out perfectly. Gavin and I can do Wreck one week, and then the next week, John and I can do Wreck too. And then perfect, it's sequential. So or just to be considerate, I'll let Dan and John do Sinister, and then me and Dan will do Sinister too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even think I want to watch Sinister too. It's a disgrace to the movie industry. It's a disgrace to the Sinister namesake. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> no big deal. That's not a hero there. <laughs> Original Sinister, though, it's like number two on my list. Yeah, we'll do, it. we'll do it. We'll, we'll definitely do it. I, I, I'm very scared to cover like our favorite movies because I don't want to shit on my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I didn't watch movies analytically prior to this podcast. I just watched them. It was like, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, and this is going to be a longer episode, but it was supposed to be a John episode. And I think we did some pretty good analysis here today. So I tried to be less stupid asshole and more, <laughs> I, you know, that little, little, little middle bit. I think we did some d- good, some like AP 12 English character analysis. Yeah. So email us with a kiss. <laughs> Please. And uh, that's going to do it. So from Gavin and me, have a great day, Sporkies. So long, Sporkies.